It's Wednesday, March 23rd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle. With Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 242. And surprise, we have senior Australian field correspondent Kieran Sheldon on the line with us as well. How's it going, gentlemen? Woo! G'day. Going, man. Great. How are you guys doing? It's been doing in awesome. like forever since uh, yeah, since we caught up. a long time. Forever. I slept yeah, I actually, last night. I'm very brain mushy this morning. Oh, no, Tyler. What happened? No. Just stuff I on your mind? Woke or? Up and, yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about stuff. Mm, that's going on with my wife a lot lately. She'll wake up at like four and then she's up for the day. And, uh, you know, her brain's just going. It's never fun. Yeah. Yep. I just got back from dropping my kids off and there was a car in front of me that I had never seen before. Have y'all seen the Polestar in person yet? I think I saw one. I say it that way because I don't think I really know much about that. And so I asked someone and gave a vague description and they were like, was it this? And it sounded reasonable. But I'm not entirely (laughs) certain if I have or not. And I couldn't tell you what it looked like now. So. Yeah. So yeah, tell was, me uh, about it. <laughs> well, it's just, it was interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff you just kind of notice off of uh, common brake light themes, that manufacturers and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, there was a brake light pattern I had never seen before sitting in front of me. And then you look and there's no real badging. There's no real, you know, and the Polestar emblem is just a star. And so, but it's also the body color as well. So you can barely make it out. So there's really no, you know, kind of insignia or anything on the back end of it. It does say Polestar on the side, kind of the the lower right underneath the passenger uh, driver side. And then on the brake calipers, it says Polestar as well. So that was the only place I could find badging on it uh, in front of me. But yeah, it was the Polestar 2. Yeah. Starting at 38,400, which is, seems very reasonable, right? But you could also tell it was an electric car because there's no exhaust or anything like that. But it looks pretty cool. Doesn't have mufflers? Well, n- n- no. Kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. That's the general. No cool chromed mufflers on that, huh? What's the yeah. point? Yeah. That's cool. I don't know much yeah, about them. I, I guess I have heard the name. Um, I don't know. Like, what's their, you know, anything about market penetration or their stats? Good. How are they competing? I don't. Like, I've heard very little is about it a Chevy them. So, Bolt or a Nissan Leaf, or is it a Tesla competitor? I don't know. Uh, I think they're trying Bowler? to prime themselves as a Tesla competitor. Mm, I'm trying so to look them up here. Like fancy, but not too fancy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to me, it's not just if you're going to be a Tesla competitor, it's not just about um, being an electric vehicle and having range, mm. but it's about that full experience. Uh, right that, that you that ux right the design on the inside etc so i'd say the buying experience is part of it too we've talked about that oh for sure oh for sure yeah i'm on their website right now it's, trying to looking at configuring yeah. one the it's funny because you know awesome. we spent a bunch of time talking about yeah. the in the this wave of electric trucks that are coming which i do think was sort of predicated by tesla's announcements a couple years ago now but um i i often find myself almost completely forgetting that Nissan and Chevy have had electric cars, like fully electric cars in the market for like a long time. <laughs> and they're just completely irrelevant in the, in yes. the conversations that people have about electric cars, yes. which just seems terrible, but it's so true. Like 
when we're we're talking about the next generation of cars, you, you just don't talk about those two. And when you talk about uh, limit setters or I don't know leaders of the pack, like that, those aren't even in the back of people's minds. I don't think. And I wonder if that's totally unfair to Chevy and Nissan, or if they really don't care and they were never really targeting that market. Oh, I think they care. I think they're just not not executing well. Mm. It's super interesting. So I think Kieran, it looks like it sounds like you're on looking at them right now as well. Maybe going through configuration, all this kind of stuff. It it looks like looks like they offer cloth seats, which to me, just personal decision. I think that's terrible. And if you're electric, yeah. uh, just never even don't even start there, right? Like just mm. go go faux, faux leather, or vinyl, it's- whatever. It's a premium car, so yeah, yeah. But so, but to get to my my question here, so if you configure something on Tesla's website, unbelievably simple, unbelievably mm-hmm. modern looking, right? And you go to Polestar's website, and it's very much like the experience configuring a, a Chevy, right? So go back to what you were mm-hmm. saying, Tyler. Um, it's very like boxy it's very uh i I don't know like um i don't know i'm not trying to disparage the 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 web designers of this too much but it just doesn't have that kind of modern feel and that is a Mm. that is a very very minor nitpick when you think about okay you configure and buy the car once and then you drive the car forever right or not forever yeah exactly you know it's it's 0.0001 percent of the time that you spend with the cars configuring it or whatever right how, but how much do you think that that really matters for for people, right? It, just the the experience of buying the car yeah. or shopping for the car I, or configuring it. I, I mean, I I, like, I think it matters. I don't I don't think that's what probably sets the stack rank of vehicles in in any measurable way, though. Um, I think it's more of a maybe it's just surprise that that some of the leading vehicle specs are also coming from a company that has polished throughout that process. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like it's almost an afterthought, but, get, but then it becomes an expectation and maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the, the leader of the pack is doing so many things, right. That everybody is going to compare themselves to Tesla at this point. And, and yeah. those are things that Tesla has done. Well, the buying experience is different and it's generally positive. The, dealership experience or lack thereof is is done well and generally positive right um and then the things that they don't do well uh i think they also get ragged on more you know uh, i've mm-hmm. seen some criticisms of support or i guess some of the build quality concerns less centered on that big technology uh experience but maybe even so much as just like the quality of a, a trim piece and that kind of stuff yeah i i haven't seen it personally yeah because i've only been in a few teslas and the ones that i've been in i think were they were probably like the p85s and stuff like that they were i guess the higher end sedans and they were earlier runs they were much more expensive vehicles right i i actually i don't think i've sat in a a three um really and okay. when you when you're trying to back cost out of anything like that you kind of do it everywhere you can and it's not necessarily cutting corners right that that sort of implies that something was done wrong but you do pick less expensive trim or you use less trim for instance which makes the whole interior of a vehicle feel 
less expensive, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Cloth seats versus leather, mm-hmm. leathers, leather, pleather, whatever, whatever you end up using that gives that premium feel may cost more than cloth. I actually don't don't know these days, right? Like is a vinyl seat actually more expensive to produce than than a cloth seat, or is that just associated with premium and therefore more expensive? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But to get back to the original cool, point, I, I don't I don't know if those are things that matter to the average buyer, but as soon as the leader of the pack um, has them, then I think every it, it just becomes the bar everyone has to meet, you know? Yeah, for sure. Karen, what are you thinking on this? Well, I haven't actually ever sat in a Tesla or an electric vehicle for that matter. And I don't know. Does that premium feel of leather seats and all that in a electric car make it feel better? Could it just feel like a normal car if you just sit in cloth seats? All my cars I bought leather and gone for the, the top that I can in the last couple of cars. And now I feel like that's all I can buy uh, when I do buy a car. Um, I don't know. That's the way I'm thinking about it. I was yeah. just um, pricing up a Model 3. Ain't cheap. No. <laughs> it, it ain't cheap at all. all. No. Yeah, um, what, what are they yeah. at now? I, I thought I read something. I, I guess I've read a few things. They started somewhere and then they landed probably 10K higher than that. But has it crept up more? Where are they at? Well, in Australian dollars, we're talking, I'm just looking at Model 3 maxed out so this i'll give you the price the the bottom of the of no changes just the base model three is sixty three thousand nine hundred dollars wow so i went the model three performance and then just maxed out everything uh who wants to take a guess because we haven't done today in this day in tech history yet so uh eighty-four game at What's the okay? So you, you start at sixty three. You said, "Yep." And, and up then the, fully uh, spec out. I mean, how how many options are there to spec it out? Okay. Like three. So, is it just is it just like base? And you then... you pick model three. You pick model three long range. You pick model three performance. That's it. You know, you pick, <laughs> okay. So you can pick paint. And if, but... if you start at sixty three, I'm gonna guess the top is like ninety five. That's funny. Um, this might open up the expectations of american pricing versus australian pricing hundred and eighteen thousand dollars <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah is that with the full that's self-driving incredible. capability yeah that's only an extra okay. 10k so yeah you know, adds another well 12 sorry here. yeah ten thousand one hundred dollars well yeah. okay, okay. So. if yeah i guess i was just thinking i didn't I, is that another button or if you were to do yeah. what do you say long range yeah. performance okay so with another button 95 plus 12 I, I feel pretty comfortable with my australian dollar conversion there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is it's significantly more than the polestar so but yes. i mean the polestar i mean yeah, 270 well, it's like it looks pretty good honestly it looks like a good car uh, or it has its its appearance uh, is not revolting it doesn't actually look much like an electric car. You know how you get like the, like what Mustang did with the bubble front and all kinds of weird, like the Polestar actually looks like a normal sedan, but, uh, and then you get 270 miles of range, which is good. I, think, I mean, the main thing that you're, uh, you know, you're going to be missing out ooh, is, is all the, uh, the, car. the drive, like the full self-driving type of stuff. So yeah, it's got Google built uh, in. 
It's got Google built oh, into oh, the Oh, uh, I'm seeing. Sorry, I I went straight to the site, and this is not the Polestar Two. This is the Polestar O Two that I'm seeing, and that's a good looking little sports car. Yeah, that's or, not uh, what I said. Roadster concept. No, uh, yeah, that, look that on the hamburger very menu. Distinct. Hamburger. Yeah, go to the Polestar Two. Hamburger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't really remember the Polestar One. Was it like just at auto shows for a week or no, something? No, I think evaporated yeah <laughs> i guess but apparently it's the um it's now in its final production run yeah, yeah. hundred fifty five thousand uh dollars yeah. to start a... the uh the premium performance hybrid wow so, uh yeah. the polestar it's also exclusive of like, only 1500 produced that like Subaru in, in the 90s or something yeah. And that's not, I'm not knocking it. I think they did fine. They cleaned up edges or whatnot, but that's, I just, I feel like that's kind of how it looks to me. Yeah, it does. You're right though. It's okay. pretty nondescript. Cool, yeah, man. Oh, the, the back end of that. Yeah. It's just pretty basic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, all of it really like it's, it's uh it, blase is not, that's not a fair word. It's not boring. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little nondescript. It's a decent looking mm. sedan. Eat. Now I kind of want to know, know more about it. Specs, but. I think we've beat that horse enough okay Whoa. all right what else uh what else are y'all seeing what else you want to talk about uh now i'm scrolling through their website and they have some slick transitions <laughs> and it's uh i don't hate it i'm glad you finally hit also, their website 15 minutes of conversation right. yeah. <laughs> you you kept my attention long enough to actually get my attention <laughs> and i'm done <laughs> all right um this do we know what happened to app uh yeah oh. we could do that we actually did this one last year um yesterday's oh. today in tech history is one we hit on last year um but so today's march 23rd but march 22nd in history you guys can guess the year laser beams patented laser i thought we did that one too which is funny we did. i have no memory of it that's what i'm saying oh, oh. Yeah. we oh, we literally did <laughs> tyler lasers. is not awake yet I know. I told you. We my brain already. is mush yeah. this morning. I thought you said we did March 23rd, and then you went back a day to... No, no, no. No. no, we talked about uh, lasers no. patented I, yeah. a year ago. Uh, yeah, so the first patent on a laser is issued to Arthur Leonard Shallow, Shallow, Shallow? Shallow? and Charles Hard Towns, who assigned Hard it to Towns. Bell Telephone Laboratories. Mm. Guess the uh, yep, still don't, still don't know. Um, and last year you didn't go back far enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I can I'm, remember this guess the freaking twenties. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I don't know, like no, actually, sixteen eighty. Sixteen eighty. It's probably uh, it's probably like the eighteen eighties. Like I don't know, trains and lasers, right? Why not? Uh, trains and lasers. <laughs> This is great. Kieran, um, you want to take a stab at this? Uh, I wouldn't call it a stab because I already know. Um, okay. <laughs> well, tell the I, I went. I went to port. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> tell us. Tell, tell me. Tell me how. Tell me how right I was. Uh, you had two numbers, two digits right in your answer. <laughs> uh, 1960. 1960, yeah. See? Yeah, Nailed it. I decided on trains and lasers. <laughs> In what year were laser beams on the dark side of the moon 
iTunes it. <laughs> <laughs> that was me two years ago. Oh, man. Uh, you should get a patent for that. Whoa, look at this one. So here's one for today. Uh, artificial heart patient dies. You guys can guess the year on this. Oh. March 23rd. Uh, by the way, today's my mother's birthday. So happy birthday, mom. Happy You're great. birthday, and mom. All right. On March 23rd, you guess the year, Barney Clark dies 112 days after becoming the world's first recipient of a permanent artificial heart. Whoa. Now, I will say I didn't even know that that had ever happened. Oh, no. They've, they've the, done things. Is this one of the backpack ones or one of the ones that was... I actually... don't know. I don't know. The, the 61-year-old dentist spent the last four months of his life in a hospital bed, which sounds terrible, at the yeah, University of Utah Medical Center in Salt Lake City. Uh, attached to a 350-pound console that pumped air in and out of the aluminum and plastic implant through a system of hoses. A small building. Okay, so yeah, I guess that makes sense because I've seen stuff about much smaller artificial hearts uh, now, and and you got to start somewhere. So no, what, are we supposed to guess when that happened? That's that the game right now. Something? I, Somebody get some I, don't, caffeine I barely know what's going on right now. <laughs> Somebody um, get some caffeine. <laughs> oh, jeez. Guess that, the year. Like, I don't know, 2000s? Like okay. That Early yeah, 2000s. Let's go 2004. So, no, you're so this is Dang. Look, this is artificial heart, but not 3D printed heart, which is a different thing, isn't <laughs> it? Right. What? Yeah. 3D okay. printed heart? I think that, was, that, that was recent, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I, I think I remember seeing yeah. that news. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll have to dig into that later. Um, uh, nineteen eighty-four, dude. Nineteen eighty-three. Nice. <gasps> hey, that's a good year. Yes. That makes sense though, too, because I'll Holy bet I'll cow. bet it's the same technology that they used or or based on or similar to like bypass. So it makes sense mm -hmm. that it would have been quite a bit further back. I have no idea when bypass was invented or or started started to be used, but it should have been a hint that uh, it wasn't mobile in any way and that they didn't survive very long. On it. But, 1953 well done, is when that happened. 1953. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. See, if bypass started in 53, then pretty cool that that they got it all to the point where they could survive or ha have someone yeah. survive for really any amount of time. Hooked up to a system that was artificially pumping blood through their body. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, Let's get on to some of this other stuff. Let's talk about Okta. Let's talk about what happened with Apple. Apple services, including App Store, resume after outage for second straight day. Ooh, I, I saw that? a report on that, but I didn't hear anything that happened because, I don't know, it doesn't impact me. Right. Apple Music was down. Uh, App Store was down. Podcasts down. Oof. Sounds pretty brutal. Outage for what, two straight uh, days. Any indication of what happened? I don't know. That's what I'm looking. Um, today's outage also affected Mac uh, App Store users of Apple Card, Apple Books, iCloud Web Apps, and Weather. Man, man, affected eleven of their services, including Arcade and Maps mm -hmm. as well. It was not immediately clear what caused the outage. Does anyone use they... Apple Maps? <laughs> I know they didn't for uh, a I while. Actually do, I, I actually do. Uh, so I, I joke about ah. it. So I wasn't laughing at that. I was laughing at the article uh, basically says it wasn't immediately clear what caused the outage. 
uh, Apple told staff that the outage stemmed from domain name system or DNS. <laughs> and it goes on to, to explain what DNS is. It's always it's DNS. It's always right? DNS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I I usually I mean I used to I used to bag on a rag on uh, whatever the term is on Apple Maps for a long time um, until I started seeing how easy it was to just talk to my watch and tell it where I wanted mm. to go, and it defaults cool. to using Apple Maps. And the performance, like I probably could change it to leverage Google Maps or something, but the performance of what it does with the haptics letting me know I have an upcoming turn without actually cool. interrupting me audibly and all this kind of full, cool, fun stuff. So I have started using Apple Maps a lot more, actually. Yeah, no, that's, the, the watch that's a lot of integration. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super convenient. I mean, I can literally, wherever I am, if I get in my car and I hold the little, uh, or you can just you know say, hey, uh, you can use the audio term to to trigger it, which I'm not going to do because it'll just interrupt the conversation here. Or you can just hold the crown down for half a second and then say, take me home. And then automatically it'll just pop up uh, directions home from wherever it is that you are. So it's very cool. Or take me to yeah, wherever. That is cool. And it just works. I yeah, wonder I uh, what... Yeah, I used Waze for a long time. I actually started uh, or leaned back into Google Maps uh, not too long after they acquired Waze because the... Um, I guess the most important features to me in Waze actually did eventually get, I don't know if it was ported or developed into Google Maps. So the, yeah, the yeah. real-time traffic data is almost certainly shared across them. They were always very, very similar. And then mm -hmm. the um, stuff like speed traps, less the yes. the constant you know influx of random things on the road, which I won't lie, was actually a pretty cool part of Waze. I mean, it was pretty predictable yeah, that there was a tire laying in the road. Um, yeah. But what I found was that Google Maps did a better job of finding the most efficient route faster. Not not just like, hey, route me and let me wait two seconds or something like that. But it would it would adjust quicker and it was sometimes pretty significant, you know, 10, 15 minute adjustments and ways would not catch that or not catch it in time. Um and so it may have gotten better. Maybe Waze is worth picking back up. But I found that Google Maps was just a little bit more consistently awesome. And yeah. so I, I ended up going to it. I was curious, and, and I unfortunately have no point of reference here, but I'm wondering if Google Maps has uh, integration with any of the Android smartwatches akin to what you were describing for Apple. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I just don't know. It's one of my favorite features of just even having a watch, right? Is that I can just talk to yeah, it and tell great. me somewhere to go. And then I, ne I never even have to touch or look at my phone. And oh, I just cool. get haptics whenever. I just drive straight until it taps my my wrist. And then I can just look at it quickly and it says turn right or left. So Yeah, cool. It's super cool. All right. I just dropped a uh, another link in the chat. I know, Tyler, you have been uh, super interested in a lot of um, the advancements going on over at NVIDIA. And they just mm -hmm. unveiled they just released the their... Grace CPU super chip. Yeah. Yeah. 144 yeah, so... high performance cores and one terabyte nice. per second memory. Yeah, that's insane. Um, the uh, I I saw that they had uh, announced the super chip, and of course they you know leapfrogged anything that Amazon or AMD not Amazon AMD has in their Ryzen lineup. Um, pretty significantly there. Uh, I haven't actually had the chance to dig into it too deeply, but it's uh, being touted as sort of the next chip for supercomputers, data center scale. And yeah, uh, I'm sure well, lots of lots of announcements around AI and it's ARM based, right? 
Yeah. So the thing I'm curious about is this: they say it doubles the performance of uh, of server chips, and then you read about it, and it's actually two chips connected. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's how they did it. Wait, wait a it second. Says, yeah, it says uh, the NVIDIA Grace CPU super chip comprises two CPU chips connected coherently over NVLink C2C, which I have to imagine stands for chip to chip, a new high-speed, low-latency uh, interconnect. So, Yeah, so NVIDIA Link is the same um, sort of like... It's the same technology that they use to stack multiple GPUs for for GPU operations. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of the some of the stuff that they can do with data center scale GPUs is, uh, you know, you know, sharding GPUs and sharing them across, you know, virtual machines as an example, or or even sharing a single massive virtual GPU to to an instance or or a physical machine, right? And so. It's a it's a proven technology on the GPU side. It doesn't surprise me at all that they're looking at doing it for um, yeah. other CPU based designs too. Um, and you're I, right, I'd it's ARM they've, based. They've worked the kinks it's, out. Well, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, no, no. it's ARM based. It's 144 ARM cores in a single socket, which yeah, absolutely wow. blows my mind when you think about. And we knew this stuff was going to happen, but the way I started my uh, my career in, in IT was uh, configuring Dell servers. And we were talking, you know, two, four, six, right? I mean, very, very low, you know, single digit uh, cores per socket. It was just, it was crazy to uh, to see yeah. some of this stuff now. And, and it only uh, consumes 500 watts as well as what they're claiming. Um, yeah. That's very that's, efficient. That's tiny. Yeah. For something that powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can Does it oh, say yes. in that article if you can scale it out further than that? Or scale it up, or does it stop it? Well, I think what it what it's doing, what I, I may be totally misunderstanding, it, but it looks like it's two chips connected with that NVLink C to C, leveraging one socket. So I don't think you can do you don't do more than because typically it's like a single chip per socket mm-hmm. with a number of cores, and now they're they're tying these two chips together into a single socket. I don't think it's any more than that. I don't think there's a three or four mm-hmm. version. Uh, I'll, but, it. I'll have to go see if uh, NVIDIA's um, partner training stuff has more information about it, too. That'd be cool. Yeah. That, it's, so, GTC is going on right now, right? Um, I'm pretty sure it is, or it's about to. Um, but that's probably where these announcements are coming from, their, uh, their conference. Yeah, happens in uh, uh, there's March a link November. There's bottom there. Uh, GTC 2022 keynote. There's a link down the bottom there where they announce it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was yesterday. You're yep. right. The keynote. That sounds yeah. about right. This, so uh, I like to. I like to try and go participate in a few of the GTC sessions, but I don't. I don't think I have time this week. Unfortunately. What is this? And Nvidia reveals Hopper H100 GPU with 80 billion transistors. <laughs> what? Keep it right, more alive. That's so I, I do have to get something off my chest though about about this. Whenever I watch things like Squawk on the Street or whatever, and they're always talking about they they talk about Nvidia a lot, just stock prices and whatnot. They they come back and mm-hmm. forth across it, but most of the time when I'm watching these Wall Street people talk about it, they call it Nvidia. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this? No, because I don't watch that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, weird. it's Nvidia. Yeah, it's Nvidia. Yeah. But I hear a lot of people call it Nvidia. 
And I wonder if it's like a regional like dialect yeah, thing be. in the US, you know, yeah, or if it's sure. I don't know. But it's in Us, video, Us, right? Russ. <laughs> just said Russ. Yeah. Okay. I'll just start calling it podcast and see what he says. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah it's like people with for some reason. It's like Nike or Nike as well. It's Nike. What? People it say Nike. Nike. I didn't know people said Nike. They do. They do. What? Uh, Where in Australia? Uh, well, well, yeah, my, my wife out. did for some time. That makes until me I found a video that explained it's Nike. <laughs> There's a video that explains YouTube. it's Nike. Let yeah. me use the internet to tell you you're wrong. That's very <laughs> bold of you, uh, considering the audience. Probably it's on the internet. That one with a 40 foot pole. Well, you guys I'm not turning my wife to YouTube to prove a point. I'm not doing that. That's that's playing with fire, man. You've I'm heard about happy the to have stuff a disagreement. <laughs> You've heard about the recent stuff going on with Disney, though, right? That, oh, stop. <laughs> Sorry. It took me three attempts to get that joke out. Right. <laughs> uh, Nike. Well, there's thing, so growing up, we always called it Adidas. But if you talk to anybody in Europe, Adidas. it's Adidas. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Adidas. Yeah. 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 All right. What it's, else we got? Just what like else you got? Nappies. <laughs> nappies. Well, that's the thing. She doesn't normally call them nappies. So it's, it's a nap. She's talking about falling asleep. But yeah. Anyway. All righty. What else we got here? Uh, do we need to cover the Octa stuff? I don't, I, I don't know how deep going With into the it hackers is necessary. Okay. I, I think I think what would, what's interesting to me about that, and I, I didn't follow it closely, but I watched uh, a good bit of back and forth on Twitter, and of course, it's in the in a lot of the tech news today. Um, it, it Octa is claiming that the breach that happened in January um, was was sequestered to a single customer, right? And and they mm -hmm. they've released a little bit more information about the you know maximum potential impact impact because apparently, and I did read a little bit about it this morning, the uh, the access that they had would have basically let them impersonate uh, you know global support staff effectively, which means they couldn't have changed administrative passwords or anything like that, but they could mix with uh, remote access, two FA stuff like that. So it it could have given them a opportunity to then go use some basic social engineering attempts to go disrupt other customers. And it looks like Okta has acknowledged that the maximum potential impact was more than just the one. Um, but it was an interesting, uh, I guess, timeline, um, I thought, because the the Lepsis hacks, or Lapsus, however you pronounce that, um, that, that hacking group, that group. It's Lapsus, Tyler. I don't know. Uh, they no, don't know. they came out. They they posted screenshots uh, that that showed some pretty pretty strong access for that one. Yeah, customer. they had super user uh, admin access. And yeah. exactly, and and then it was it had a date on the screen that people you know sussed out of the image that said January of this year, and that's I think a lot to do with how much this sort of snowballed, but mm -hmm. but Okta came back and just said we knew about it. It's just that one, um, and so. Uh, Wait, I think, why didn't I they there's a say healthy dose. Well, there's a health well because it was one customer. And I, I, I think there are probably mm. lots of 
breaches like that that don't have public announcements of a single yeah. customer event. But I think it, it, I think there was a healthy dose of skepticism. And then I, I find it very interesting that their immediate response, Okta's immediate response was it was one customer. It was a totally isolated event. You know, there's nothing wrong. But then fast forward like 12 hours, and now they're saying that the maximum possible impact was 366 customers. And it's hmm. like, this is exactly why everyone glammed onto this and, and assaulted so aggressively because you basically hand-waved a single major event and it took pressure basically from the internet to get you to acknowledge that maybe it was worse than what you said it was. And it, it's yeah. just, it's a bad look, right? Yeah. Um, and then, it, I mean, it could obviously get a lot worse too if, if it turns out that the maximum potential 366 customer breach number is either higher and it gets revised again, or perhaps even worse, amongst those 366, a number of customers were breached and they didn't notify anybody after this happened in January, like that's an equally, if not more dramatic bad look. So it's just, it's always interesting to see how this stuff unfolds. Cause I feel like the way the company that's, you know, in the hot seat responds is like 90% of all of it. Like, did you brush this under the rug? Did you ignore it? Did you not know it was happening? Uh, yeah. You know, if you, you can kind of answer these things quickly and, and succinctly and without constant revision, then trust pretty much stays where it is because everybody's having problems with this stuff. But when you come back and you're like, it's no big deal. And then it turns out, oh, wait, it's kind of a big deal. And it's getting worse. Cool. Thanks for being quiet well, for three months. <laughs> yeah. And the statement that they just released isn't that helpful either. Uh, they responded. They basically, they said they suffered, quote, a January event. What does that Ugh. mean? <laughs> Can yeah. you get more vague than an event that happened more. in January? Yeah. Uh, in right. which an unknown party attempted to compromise the account. So they're... Two, they say an unknown party attempted to compromise the account, which tells me, okay, I have to assume, I guess, that it was unsuccessful uh, of a third-party customer support engineer. So then they're also saying, oh, it's a third party. It's, it wasn't even us, blah, 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 which, okay, maybe that part is true, but it sounds like they're way underselling the significance of this January event. So, well, uh, in that, in that's kind of no what I was thinking too. Yeah. It's like they, they're underplaying yeah. it, but if it ends up getting worse and worse, which I would argue from the beginning of this little saga, it, it has gotten quite a bit worse. It's like the yeah. downplaying just makes you look bad. Right. It's, uh, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I think the companies that are in those hot seats, uh, one, I would, would not want that for myself at all, but it's so much of this is just how are you responding to this information? Like, are you really, do you really have a good handle on what happened? Can you explain it? Can you share as much as you can publicly to say, hey, this is what we did. This is what we found. This is why we didn't announce it broadly, right? And then even, even then, because you didn't downplay it, you're like, it was a serious deal and we did everything we were supposed to do and our response was the right response in our minds and we found these things and then if you turn out being wrong there yeah it's a bad look but it's not like it's no big deal don't worry about it right. man we got this and then it's totally a big deal because then you uh, yeah and also competent or sketchy yeah so they've got they've got fifteen thousand customers and instead of saying um they had this that this hacker had access to 375 of our customers they say oh it was only two and a half percent of our customers right <laughs> yeah but that's you know I mean? today Give it another month. Spin it all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it gets worse, 
Jeez. It looks worse. So well, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it seems like the lesson here is don't downplay it. Be be right. really forthright. When, once something like that leaks out, because I I don't think necessarily that a breach like let's let's assume that they were being completely forthright. They identified a breach. They found a single customer that had an incident. I don't think it's on a company like Okta to go announce to the world that that they had a massive breach. That's that's bad. Sure. And sure. hopefully they close that loophole. But if they do their due diligence, they notify that customer, they close all the loopholes, they make the changes that need to be made, assuming that customers don't need to make adjustments. And that's that's this is where that stuff gets messy, right? Because if Okta realized there was a hole and they needed customer engagement to fix that, or it was in everyone's best interest for customers to be aware of the fact that someone could potentially be trying to use you know, the access they did have briefly to get more access, which is likely at this point, then mm-hmm. just say it. Say all yeah. of those things. But, well, you've but got don't the hacking downplay group this stuff. Yeah, and you've got the hacking group that's saying more than what Okta is saying, right? Significantly. Yeah, well, Okta is saying, oh, it was just that one incident one yeah. time back in January. And then they're like, no, we had it for longer. And then they're like, oh, okay, it actually looks like they had access to a laptop for five days. And Lapsus <laughs> is saying, no, we've had access to the system for two months, and it's not a laptop. It's a thin client. Uh, and they're also <laughs> claiming that they found Okta storing AWS keys in their Slack channels. Oh. There's just a lot of stuff that is See, spilling this- out. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is me not having kept up with it. This is exactly what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. You downplay it, you you try to hand wave this issue away, and then look, it, hacker groups. I would imagine half of what they're doing is just disruption too. Like there's there's a bit of anarchy. It's not always give me money, right? And right. what a perfect way to sow the seed. It's it's sort of like give them give them a foot of rope and see if they hang themselves with it. It's Sure. Well, oh, that's as bad as it was. Eh, no, it's not. And if they have yeah, evidence to back so that stuff yeah. up, it just it just erodes trust over and over and over again. So it's just again, when when you get stuck in the hot seat, I think being as transparent as you can be, you know, with respect to your IP and and your brand, it's it's bad enough that a hacker group is posting screenshots that shows that you got owned. Owned. Uh, it's it's far worse for you to sit there and pretend like it's no big deal while they systematically just tear down any trust people have in your responses. Yeah. Yeah. So man, I'd be almost better to say, I don't know. <laughs> Is this going to be a situation where you find out somehow there's the keys to the kingdom there as well? Yeah. Well, the, that, yeah, that, that, that CWS talking about with Twitter. Ugly. Oh man, yeah. that was so bad. Yeah. That was so bad. That was, in, that like, was insane. It, one fourth of all Twitter employees a... had full access to everything. Like, <laughs> right? Talk yeah, about an inevitable they... problem. Yeah. Are we in the same situation where they're calling a customer support engineer working for a third party? Is that downplaying the potential that this person or where they've what they've accessed has more access? Sure. Than what it should have. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, or am I just reading into it too much? Well, I mean, it's a it's a fair question. All right, what about? Well, um, yeah, I, about I think at this point, like a, oh. a healthier dose of skepticism is totally appropriate. That's the in that mm. again is the issue. It's like it, it's the the less the less trust we have in their response to this, the more digging people are going to do. 
uh, add add the the hacker group on the other side, you know, basically feeding that fire, and it's it's just going to get worse for Akka. So I, it just seems like they didn't handle the response to this very well. Well, that and also if you look at the um, the timeline of their responses, that first one was at ten forty five a.m. where they go, oh yeah, it was just during this period of five day window, and then the second response is eight hours later, say, oh actually, two point five percent are affected. Like, okay, how much yeah. time do we need to give this for more to actually come out of the day? <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yep. so then you're a bit skeptical on how much information they want to provide you. It's, um, yeah. Well, we'll just have to watch. Crazy. I just saw a headline. It says the FBI says internet crime victims in the U.S. reported losing over $6.9 billion in 2021, up from 4.2 in 2020. That's a that's a pretty healthy uptick there. Seven mm. percent year over year. Uh, that's a do lot. Do you imagine of, that all of, of that is real? Do you imagine all of that's real? As opposed to like crypto, fake no, money. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that's real too. Fake internet know, magic money is real money too, Tyler. Don't be mean. No, I was just uh, trying to imagine if there's a if there's a scenario of claiming uh, yeah, losses like or theft or whatever. Losses, sure. Yeah, is a is a, a tax question. advantage or I you know I don't know whatever. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the I, I I don't I'm looking at this and I don't know that they actually no. It's a very short article. They don't get into how the FBI vets the information. I think it is it's kind of like the census. It's just as reported. Um. I, I guess some of the most prevalent scams. It might be interesting to know, like some of the ones that were very public, like what percentage of the big public ransomware events, for instance, you know, eat into that six point nine billion, um, or if it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of, you know, two hundred dollar incidents. And I, I guess they actually said that um, much of the spike in the crimes in the last two years is is related to COVID nineteen. Uh, the and I'm looking to see why increase in work from home and virtual meetings. I guess that's implied to be part of it. Maybe it's just that people are doing communication, more digital communication in general, and therefore there are a higher incidence of phishing attempts. And uh, I guess people just have more trust of individuals they're speaking to online that maybe they didn't have before. Doesn't really say. Hmm. It's just All right. Um, let's jump to. Let's see. Brazil lifts its ban on Telegram after two days. Did you see this? The uh, Brazil the Supreme the Court. Yeah. So Brazil, uh, their Supreme Court blocked Telegram on Friday or basically just Oh, said, I heard about uh, that. They, yeah. they asked Apple and Google to block Telegram in the App Store over, quote, disinformation. What? And there's apparently court orders around telegram managing the the data that's being shared or spread and the things in it um and apparently telegram had just missed the communication from brazil somehow checking the wrong email address was what i was reading in an article which doesn't make any sense to me how is telegram checking the wrong email address from brazil is there like a secret email address that they're supposed that to be checking <laughs> Is that an email from all of Brazil? Or? All, all <laughs> right. of it. Yeah. Ah, Brazil's Brazil. pinging me again. Let me take this. <laughs> well, actually, this is probably a good opportunity to say, welcome back, all Brazil listeners, to our Telegram. <laughs> yes. Come join. 
Well, the ban actually never never took effect because Telegram responded so quickly after they managed to find the right email address uh, or the right email account. Um, they apologized to the Brazilian Supreme Court on the negligence. They agreed to have somebody in country. They agreed to manage the top like uh, hundred hundred most popular channels in Brazil, which account for ninety five percent of the views of public posts in the country. So Telegram wow. themselves are going to uh, verify information and mark posts that are false as inaccurate for for Brazil's 100. Now, who is that's actually insane? What who who's determining that? that? Yeah, exactly. Responsibility. Dang. Uh, right. Because if you've ever been in a Telegram risk. channel, yeah. If cool. you've ever been in a Telegram channel, my goodness, there can be thousands and thousands of posts in an hour, you know, <laughs> or or less. Uh, so that seems like an absolute nightmare trying to manage. But the question then comes down to every single one of these things, who is responsible for determining, like, does Brazil tell Telegram what's false and what's true? And then they tell the citizens of Brazil, nope, what you're saying is actually false. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I I think that that's a huge mistake for telegram i mean obviously they're just trying to pr protect you know their market in in brazil but how oh and it's how are they going to do it, it it's actually mm -hmm. it, it gets back to all of the stuff that we've talked about numerous times on the show uh you know as it relates to you know section 230 and and the, the content providers being responsible for well, not sorry not the platform being responsible for the content that people use on it or put on it um it's it's not just that maybe we want them to act as a moderator but what is the feasibility of them acting as a moderator like how do they possibly keep up yeah and and then it's their responsibility like they, they've taken responsibility for this and i i just what a huge mess and a massive burden yeah yeah. And I mean, just for some numbers on Telegram, they have over 500 million uh, monthly active users. Oh, this is globally, though, not not in Brazil alone. Obviously, they don't have that many citizens. Um, but yeah, how how do they how do they manage that? that? That would be a really interesting study. I'd love to get somebody from Telegram on here talking about it. AI. Um, AI. <laughs> put in some That's rules. It. Go AI. What's wild, yeah. too, is look at the business wrong. model here. I mean, we're we're all all familiar with Telegram. They don't currently mm. make money. It is a free to use right, uh, right. application for private as well as business users. It's Which just is, being money's just being like, pumped you, into it. How do you sign up for that? What is what is the financial burden of moderating content on a platform that is free? Yeah, I think I, we're I, losing you a little huge. bit, Tyler. I'm getting a lot of. Uh, no, I think we lost them this time. I thought I thought the submarine cable had been cut. <laughs> no, I think, I don't know if there's something with his Bluetooth or something, but, uh, but yeah, he was getting at a really strong point there. What's the financial yeah. burden of moderating a, 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 a free platform like that. So yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and they clearly didn't want to give up. Sorry. I don't know what happened to my audio there. Oh, there you go. Much better. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think it sounds like you were making my point there at the end. It's just, it, it's even more interesting to me that a, free to use platform like telegram would sign up for something like that because it, it does seem like an insurmountable burden either that or they're going to apply you know something something like uh kieran said uh just a, an ai model that 
make some determinations and maybe they're going to say, Hey, that's good enough. So that's kind of hands off, but even that comes with a burden, right? Yeah. You've got to have the processing for it. You, you've got, then, then you've, since you've claimed responsibility for moderating the content, you arguably, and I don't know the Brazilian court system, but you've arguably put yourself in a position where if you screw up, you could be held accountable for that. Sure. So I, it just seems absurd that they would, volunteer <laughs> volunteer for that effort or i guess they were forced into it to some well, extent, but still i mean it's clear it's, uh, for their it's crazy for whatever their business strategy is they didn't want to lose brazil right brazil yeah. is a is a uh, is a very strategic um do, um, do country is to have telegram but, free if you're doing a massive uh yes. like one to many channel yes there's nothing there's no paid advertising no. or anything like that it's 100 percent free yeah. and according to crunchbase they've raised, yeah, i've never seen any way to you know, yeah. get money from it, but that just what what is their what's their business model? That's that's <laughs> that was what I was getting to under the guise of this Telegram ban in Brazil. I wanted to get to the question of what do you what do you ultimately think that they're gonna do? I mean, they have to monetize this at some point. Maybe they just build it and then somebody right? buys it and then yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe Microsoft well, how buys support, it. Who knows? How do you but, support five hundred million users? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah well, so something. according to. According With to no income stream. Yeah. Well, so Telegram has raised $2.7 billion across two rounds of debt and venture capital funding. $2.7 billion they've raised so far. Wow. So, yeah. So, so I, I, it's almost like the answer has to be we are building up a massive, effective communications platform so that we can sell it. Yeah. Or uh, and here's the investor. Gosh, I hope this is not the case. Hmm. I, I hope they aren't planning on flipping a monetization switch at some point because yeah. that would just be terrible well they have to at some point right they have to say ah oh, we're going to start charging you three dollars a month if you want to keep using it so which is what you kind of always but yeah i'd uh, rather they just charge me up front of course then i never would have used it so there you have it right <laughs> yeah uh notable investors include include oyster ventures dalma capital arc fund abu dhabi catalyst partners as well as sovereign investor mubadala so there you have it. Okay. Uh, I think we got to wrap it up. Uh, I actually have another call that's starting right now. I just noticed the oh, time. Well, there you go. Shut her down. That brings another tech breakfast to an end. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Pleasure to have you on, man. It's been too long since we last connected on the show. Uh, always good to have the Australian perspective. Uh, and of course, your own. Um, nice. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for joining us. Um, have, a, have a great week rest of the week no it's wednesday we might see you again on friday let's oh, hope so yes we but, will uh, enjoy yourself. Yeah, thanks, thanks for listening thanks for subscribing peace later, later.